Welcome to the 12th episode of Automation Hangout. Uh, today we have Sriram Krishnan, Vice President of ASLQ joining us. ASLQ is an AI-based test automation platform that supports multiple technologies as well as channels. Today Sriram is going to share his rich experience on test automation and also walk us through some of the key capabilities of the platform. Welcome to our show uh, Sriram. It will be great if we can get started with a quick introduction about yourself as well as ASLQ. Hey George, it's great to be here, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Hey everyone, my name is Shiram. I'm based out of Sydney, Australia, and I look after the APAC region for AxelQ. See, AxelQ, we are you know, the leading cloud-based cordless automation platform, right? So we are a forest wave leader. We got you know a really good industry recognition, community recognition, and also some you know a, a very large customer base who can attest to our uh, capabilities, right? Okay. Thanks, Sriram, for the introduction. So we'll get started with uh, test automation as a topic. Mm -hmm. So as you know, like there has been a a lot of improvements in the automation coverage uh, since last couple of years. But at the same time, there are many automation projects that fail to provide return of investment or return on investment. For example, like you may not even get a break even for the investment that you have made to develop a test automation script. So why do you think this is happening and uh, what are some of your recommendations on making a test automation project successful? George, you've gone straight for the juggler there. I thought you were going to ease me in with some questions. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. So, hey, look, that's, that, that's a quite a complex question, right, to unpack. So, the you know, one of the primary problems, I would say, is, you know, how you calculate your return on investment in the first place, right? So, I like to think, you know, testing essentially as like an equivalent to drinking tea, right? So essentially you test to give you that kind of you know, calm assurance, reassurance that everything is fine with the world or the applications you've changed and built, right? Now, when an ROA of test automation is calculated, essentially the ROA is very heavily focused on just the execution part, essentially like, you know, the tea drinking part. It's like, hey, how fast can I drink the tea? Right. But when you look at it, there are many aspects to drinking the tea, right? There is, you got to prepare it. You got to have all the equipment handy. You got to have your, you know, tea bags. Or if you're one of those fancy drinkers, you need to have your loose leaves and all the different combinations available, right? You need to have a kettle handy. You need to have water ready to go. There's, you know, so essentially test environment setup is required. There is the design aspects. There is, you know, the setup, right? Reporting. There is, you know, actually, also, one of the things that is not considered a lot is people, right? Yep. So people's development, people's satisfaction, right? The people's skills, right? So all of those has to be taken into consideration whenever you are trying to plan an ROI for test automation, right? So it shouldn't be, hey, it takes me X amount of person hours today to execute these tests. With test automation, I want to, you know, have it, right? Is seems to be the only kind of goal. and what that kind of, you know, when you have that kind of focus on just reducing the hours, right? Or if you go just by metrics-based approach as to how many more tests am I executing, right? You set yourselves up for failure because you're not looking at ultimate aim of this exercise is to increase your quality, right? And yeah. you lose sight of that, right? And uh, also the way you set up your automation, you know, projects are also really important. That's your second part of the question, right? So how do you set yeah. it up for success, right? You got to make sure that your people are, skilled and tooled appropriately right so if you take there's two you know ends of the spectrum right one in the spectrum is you take your testing team who probably don't have in uh, much of automation programming experience and you go hey here is you know some code automation go learn it and do it this is meant to give us this benefit 
right? Yep. But not giving them enough time to basically, you know, you know, soak it in, right? It's sort of the skills which you have to build up over time if you're going down like the quarter kind of automation route, right? Or the other end is I'm going to have a new automation team stood up who's going to automate it for me, right? Now the problem mm, yep. is what you're testing. So the, the the automation part is just the how, right? And you can get skilled people who knows how to, you know, code something and come in and code it for you if you're going down that part. But then they don't know what to automate, right? So you need to have the the skilled people, the SMEs who's been with your business for long, who knows where all the their bodies are buried, right? So it's about you know, I always find that the testers are the the most knowledgeable people in an organization, right? Not your not your BAs or devs or you know pro- even product owners, so to speak, simply because as a tester. There's many a time in my, you know, the past where there's been yeah. some production issue, something goes wrong and a tester will be able to go, oh, you know what, that system, you know, four, five steps upstream has done this. And due to this, the system downstream is wasn't expecting that. And that's what's happened, right? Because they get that kind of end-to-end view. And without that full subject matter expertise, whatever you're going to automate is not going to give you that benefit, right? So you go and automate the easy bit, so to speak, and then you go, oh, but still I'm stuck, you know, because of the other critical parts I have to do test man. Mm-hmm. Right? That's so, interesting. Yeah. So when you're trying to, yeah, yeah, go ahead. So I, I think the, the major issue that uh, I've seen is basically the planning as well as defining the strategy for automation itself goes wrong initially. And then you will actually have a, an effect of that towards the, the implementation part. As you said, like the processes won't be in place, people ask it won't be considered, you don't know what to automate, you won't involve the right SMEs, and then you finally end up developing a bunch of scripts which may not give you the required results. That is what I've seen. I hope you agree with me, Ashley. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So I think, see, there are you know champions right who understand what needs to be done, but then yeah. where they kind of get stuck is they know what needs to be done, they know this is the, the cost, and they know that the, the return is coming at that point in time. And you know, one of the things, one of my uh, bugbears is that we're still talking about proving the ROI for automation, right? Yeah. So it should be like, hey, yes, you need to automate. It should be. So no one's actually asking about why do we need to do CI, CD anymore, right? Everyone's like, yeah, we need to. So no one's asking about what's the ROI for CI, CD because it's understood that is intrinsic to having yeah. a very agile, you know, reliable you know, software development lifecycle, right? The same way test automation is intrinsic. So the question of how do I justify the ROI should go away. I'm, you know, I used to do these you know, 10, 15 years ago and I'm, I'm you know, surprised that we are still doing it, right? Yeah. But uh, that's one aspect of it. And second one is when these come in, after a certain point in time, the easiest way to kind of, you know, show some ROI is to say, hey, you know what, we'll save this, right? And the, it's always, you know, kick the can down the line, we just hope that, all right, but in a year's time, we'll make it. You make the numbers add up and you get the approval, you put the automation in place. But as you rightly said, you haven't actually thought through the complete you know, strategy behind it, right? What is the initial training component, right? Upskilling component, right? How do you actually invest a bit more time maybe upfront in setting it up in a very you know, modular, reusable, era, you know, all the best design principles and uh, so that you would reap the benefits for much longer. Yep, I agree with you, uh, Sriram. Now, uh, coming on to the way you do test automation, uh, what I'm saying is there's an increasing trend in the adoption of scriptless automation tool, even though there are many ways of doing test automation. For example, I can actually do scripted automation, I can use RPA tools as well as scriptless platforms. There has been a trend where uh, the the adoption of scriptless automation tools are, are actually going up. Why do you think there is an increase in this adoption in the recent years? See, the... 
I kind of touched upon it when I said before, which is, hey, there are two ends of the spectrum. One is, you know, you, got, you get you know, engineers just trying to automate, but they don't know, you know, what to automate. They don't have the SME knowledge. They don't have that yep. kind of testing skills, et cetera. And on the other end is you've got SME testers who's got deep experience, but who don't actually have the skills to automate it, right? Yep. And that's always, you know, one of the, the big points of friction, right? Now, scriptless tools are solving that problem very efficiently right now they sit right in the middle where they enable your smes right who's got all the you know testing knowledge and the know-how the application knowledge etc to still provide the automation outcomes without needing to upskill themselves in a significant fashion right so mm-hmm. uh, without themselves becoming full-on developer right they are able to achieve the same outcomes so that trend is now slowly catching on so people are you know businesses are I started to realize that, right? And in a way also, as with a lot of the improvements that come in testing, we tend to start kind of follow, you know, the advancements in development in testing, right? They get whatever kind of development change comes in, then the, the same thing kind of passes on to, filters on to testing a little while later. And if you look back at the scriptless development trends, mm-hmm. right, it's been, there's been a massive growth. If you look at yep. The rise of the, you know, the likes of Salesforce and, you know, Oracle Cloud Apps, MS Dynamics, right? So a lot of business applications. Now you can have a bank in a box, right? Essentially, if you want to start, start a bank, so you, it would take you probably two, three years. You know, if you go back 10 years ago to start a bank, it would take you, you know, three years of setting up everything, excluding the licenses, right? Just the IT infrastructure and all the applications will take you three, four years at least to start a bank. Now I can go and buy a bank, banking application, mm-hmm. right? Go to Encino or someone like that and go, hey, give me a banking suit. And your business is ready to go, right? It's all just configuration. And if the applications that you're testing are becoming more and more scriptless, where the coding is not so much, right? So the room for bugs is, so testing is to find if there are any defects, right? And the room for defects becomes lesser, the lesser lines of code that gets cut, right? So now, then what you're essentially testing now is your business rules, Mm-hmm. So I already know that, okay, Salesforce, if I go and say, hey, create a lead in Salesforce, there's a form, I need to fill in 20 fields, I know that it will work. It will, you know, save those fields successfully. Because yes. that used to be, you know, five different test cases you would write. If you as a bespoke application, you would go and say, can I enter in everything? Is it actually recording it in the right field in the database? Is it, you know, is it the right format? Is it doing boundary validation? This is, this is all of those things that you have to do. You don't do anymore. You just go and say, hey, Salesforce, give me a create entity form with these 10 fields. These are the field types. And Salesforce is going to do that for you right now. You don't have to test that. So what do you want to test is essentially, I have a business rule which says if I select the source as, you know, partner, then mm-hmm. I should give a, a subtype is what type of partner, right? Digital or, you know, someone else or something to that effect. So that's a business rule. And uh, that was a configuration. So now your testing also can mirror that, right? Your testing can yeah. also become scriptless and you can you know, basically configure your tests rather than having to code your tests. Yep, that, that's interesting. So uh, as you said, like uh, you're seeing an increasing trend around the usage of package applications as well as uh, Power Apps kind of uh, application. That's definitely adding up to the adoption rates. And also, I think one other aspect that we need to keep in mind is the current resource market. Or it's very tough to get highly skilled programmers who can actually do test automation. That's also, I believe, one reason where customers are also thinking about uh, using scriptless tools, where you don't require a highly skilled what do you say, tester or an automation 
or a programmer to actually derive or design your test. I think that's also one reason why we are actually having an increase in the adoption rates. Uh, we were touching upon applications, uh, Sriram, like one important aspect is basically there are many ways or many types of automation that you can do. You can actually automate an application and you're touching upon workflows or business processes. So have you reached a state where there has been an increase in the automation of end-to-end uh, testing or basically are customers looking at automating end-to-end business processes rather than just automating a workflow that will actually be tied to an application, maybe just Salesforce alone without actually taking into consideration the integration points. Absolutely. So now the see every customer experience now involves because of you know we've gone microservices way, we've gone agile, right? So uh, we've got federated teams. So all the the modern kind of you know organizations now have even a very very simple. You know, I was speaking at one of the events before, and um, I was just looking at you know there's an event registration page, right? On the back of that, there is a CRM system. That mm-hmm. it integrates to. There is a payment system that it integrates to, right? There is a, you know, on part of the CRM system, there's a marketing channel that it integrates to. There is the whole, you know, the agenda and all of that kind of, you know, there's a mobile app that integrates. So there's just, a, it's a, an event attended by, say, you know, about 1,500 people. And you've got probably eight different systems at least integrated and talking to each other, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, now most of these are bought off the shelf. So you go and say, hey, I'll buy. That uh, Salesforce is a CRM. I'm going to buy, you know, the payments from Stripe. I'm going to buy this from someone else, etc. Right? I'm going to mm-hmm. buy a, a carding uh, from there, and you're just integrating it. Now, when my customer experience touches all across all of these, now if one of these goes wrong, you've lost me. That's it. So they because people are less tolerant to poor customer experience nowadays. Yeah. Right? So I go in, I go and try to buy something on one shop and not able to complete it. I'm not going to try again 10 minutes later. I'm just going to jump to the next website that can offer it for me. Yeah. Right? So when that is now the, you know, it's of utmost sense, right? Now, testing that end-to-end flow also becomes very, very important. You mm-hmm. cannot go to production without having tested that end-to-end flow. Right? Now, so there's, uh, there's this thing that I was, you know, I was speaking to one of the CIOs recently where we were talking about race to staging, right? Mm-hmm. Where what that race to UAT, sorry, right? And what that is is now all these individual teams are all, you know, they're all doing continuous CI, they're doing CD, and they're all yeah, building yeah. all of that. They keep pushing it quickly, goes to UAT, and then everything just parks there because the UAT testing takes time because primarily it was, was still being done primarily manually. And yep. you still have to do it. So there's no point in you, however fast you can deliver your changes, unless it gets that whole kind of integration into end testing treatment, you can't go to prod, right? Now, businesses have you know, started to realize that, and there is a big you know, a trend towards getting that end-to-end automation going. And you know, AxelQ being one of the, the leading platforms, which, is, which can cordlessly automate that kind of end-to-end stack into unified flows, we can see that trend loud and clear, right? So we can see almost every single customer who we're talking to come to us simply because they go, hey, I have something that can do web kind of well, that's okay. I have something that can do API kind of okay. But then my problem is that that is not enough, right? My problem is I want to do so, someone who can do everything end-to-end well. And we go, hey, you're the right place, right? So mm. uh, that is an increasingly, you know, and I'm very happy that day is here, right? No longer is the end-to-end testing the tip of the pyramid, which everyone thinks is the hardest to do, and we will just put it away. Now everyone's looking at that as uh, the most important piece of the puzzle. 
Yep. I agree. And I think we should reach the state even where uh, we should be actually automating the uh, user acceptance test. For example, the business team should only be looking at the results rather than they spending time on executing these workflows on their own. Because there's very little that might change from one release to the other. But what I've seen is like the business users would actually test the entire thing because they're not confident that the end-to-end flows would actually work. And the second uh, aspect that I've seen is like if you have an end-to-end testing team and a UAT team, there's a lot of overlap that happens between these two because the same workflows are actually tested in many cases between a UAT team as well as an SIT team. So you can actually get rid of many of these problems if we achieve maturity around end-to-end testing. And as you said, like uh, uh, SLQ uh, provides you this technology support to automate business process flows. And uh, that's something that is very interesting because many of the tools that I've seen, which are scriptless, uh, mostly works for digital applications. They only support basically mobile as well as maybe responsive apps, nothing like a desktop-based application or something beyond that. That's so, if, if you would indulge me with an example, uh, right, of uh, you know, the kind of end-to-end uh, flows that you know, we can automate and what customers yep. are looking for, right? So it's for one of our customers who's in the payments space, mm-hmm. right? And one of the use cases is this, which is they want to simulate someone doing a transaction, right, at one of those payment terminals, right? Mm-hmm. So now they are doing it on a card, which is issued virtually through an API. So the test essentially starts with, hey, I want to make an API call to create a new card. Now I want to use that card in the simulator to now make a simulator transaction, right? Which is mm-hmm. a simulator, which is a desktop application, right? Now that transaction goes and hits our switching system, which is, you know, multi-threaded, uh, you know, one of those legacy kind of systems, right? And which is mainframe based. Um, it's going to hit that, right? And then it's going to go and hit another simulator at the other end, which is another desktop application. And there's some, you know, messages going back and forth. Now the one part of the messaging is in XML. The other part is actually in a flat fixed format. Right, mm-hmm. and uh, this all of this is getting dumped to log files. Now, mm-hmm. what happens is, so I simulate you know hundred transactions like that today with mm-hmm. hundred new cards created. Now I want to validate all the transactions have got the right messages, all the logs are reflecting those transactions, and then at the end of the day, I have a settlement process where I'm reconcil- reconciling all the transactions. Yep. You got to go to my SAP, SAP, you know, data services. I want to run some jobs. I want to go into multiple databases, verify all of this, calculate all of this. Then I want to jump into the customer portal where the customer can go and download a, a reconciliation report, which is in, you know, XML format. And sorry, it's a PDF format. There's another report that's in XML. There's another email, which is in, you know, mm-hmm. Excel. And I want to verify that all of these are matching, right? Now, this is business critical functionality because any of these changes, uh, you can't go into prod because, you know, if a transaction goes missing, the cost of that yep. so the transaction may be $100, but the cost of reputational damage and investigation, all of that is going to be in the thousands, yep. right? Now, and this is the kind of, you know, flows that now we got our customers automating and who are, you know, and people asking more and more for such use cases. Mm-hmm. I agree, you know, because the focus should actually move on to end-to-end testing. I think uh, uh, rather than just doing automation silos around an application, I, I think that the example is actually a brilliant one. I think we have we have more uh, we have similar use cases in every organization around uh, end-to-end testing, which is not an explored area in many cases. And uh, Sriram, like uh, the other interesting trend that you have seen around development is AI. And I know that AI has been, uh, was mostly a topic which was actually confined to research labs, but now you're seeing a lot of advancement where AI is being applied for development as well as testing purposes. So what are some of the use cases that you can think about where AI can be used in order to improve the efficiency of uh, test automation? 
Yeah, absolutely. See, the AI can obviously, right? So the AI technologies have been evolving significantly, right? And like yep. I said, the, the applications have also increased accordingly. Right now, we talk about desktop automation, AI can help with, you know, and we use that pretty much throughout the, our kind of, you know, the quality lifecycle at Axel Key, right? Right from design to the build, to the executions, to the reporting, all of that, right? So now the areas you can help with is identifying, say, the locators of your elements, Mm-hmm. Right on your web page or um, uh, you know, any application, be it right. So now you don't have to go and scan the application, and you don't have to go and figure out every single X path, etc., and figure out the, how to identify that element to write one line of logic to say, "Hey, go and enter text here or click on that button." Yep. Right now, yeah, I can automatically go and say, "Hey, this is the application. Now these are the locators. I've, I've already decided. I already know how to identify it. Don't worry about it. Your mm-hmm. business logic is you want to enter something. Come in, say, enter text here. You're done. Right mm-hmm. now." So if, with regards to data, right, now you can automatically identify, uh, you know, the different data types available, right? So you know that, okay, now there is a test case where I need to pass in four different values, right? So one of the values is, uh, say, it's a simple example once again, let's say that I'm filling in, uh, it's an insurance provider, right? Mm-hmm. And I want to get a code. I go in and uh, I uh, there's a question says, are you a smoker, yes or no, right? Are you, you know, a drinker, yes or no, right? And then give me your age, right? Which is, you know, a drop down with five different values. And so there's going to be about 10 different sets of, you know, data that you supply, right? Mm-hmm. Now, each of these is going to have a different effect, right? So you need to try and test all these combinations. Now, earlier, it used to be that you have to manually calculate all that. Now, you know, automatically, you can just go and say, okay, this is the data points. These are the available data, right? There you go. Here is your 120 test data combinations ready to run, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same test. You just want to request a code. Here it is, 120 times you can run the same thing and it's going to you know, verify that it's all going nicely, right? So mm-hmm. now from design itself, there's, there's a lot more there. There's, you know, you can have AI with regards to identifying how to structure your tests together. For example, mm-hmm. okay, you are here, you just loaded your homepage right, uh, your login page, I think you can log in here. So once you log in, hey, I think in this page, you have three, four different things you can do, right? You can start mapping out, in Axel we call it the application universe, right? And you start mapping out the universe where you go and say, wherever I'm at this point in flow, these are the things that I can do, right? You can, you know, you can smartly recognize that in this page, you can either create something or you can edit something or you can use something, right? Yeah. So there's things like that, that, you know, it can really help in efficiently designing your tests. Right now, when we talk about the the execution part, right, and uh, we talk about executions, it's more about the you know the reducing the flakiness and the maintenance effect yep. of automation, right? So now our self feeling, right, and uh, I mean to be fair, there's, there's a lot of others also coming up with some new technologies, yep. right? Some as good as us, some still evolving, right? But then the thing is, you could have a login button, you could have a, a, a which tomorrow becomes a sign in link, yeah, right. Functionally, it's exactly the same, right? Now you would have 500 test cases, all of which are using this. And if you are not, not designed, you're not designed in a very good fashion, at the minimum, you would still have to go and update that, right? And until you update that and you rerun it, you are not going to be able to find the defect, which is in the 10th screen of your application, right? Exactly. Because you can't even get past login screen. And in some cases, there's these, you know, a developer updates one library behind the scenes or something to that effect, right? And then now you got all one type of element, which is used everywhere, it fails. Now you've got to go in and you've got to update almost every single page about what that element is and the attributes and all of that. Right now, with self-healing, you can, you know, get rid of all of that. Yeah, I can go and say, hey, it's still the same thing. 
because I know with 80% certainty that it's, it's sitting in the same hierarchy, it's functionally equivalent, yep. it is taking you to the same place. So, you know what? I will treat it as the same and I'll continue. So you actually find that bug in the 10th screen sooner rather than, you know, two days later because you spent all this time updating a test just because, you know, someone updated a library without yes. even thinking how the larger impacts, right? Mm-hmm. So you can do that there with, you know, the uh, kind of uh, even the executions, right? Mm-hmm. We have what we call dynamic suits, right? What that mm-hmm. can do is it can at every second, you can, you know, pick up and say, hey, run my regression test, Right. Every day as 5 p.m., right? You can mm-hmm. schedule it. Or you can say, as part of the CICD pipeline, run my regression test. Now, yeah. what happens is today I have 20 tests, right? Tomorrow, I may have 25 regression tests, right? Because one mm-hmm. of the, you know, five tests now are now part of the regression ones, right? You just, you know, you don't have to go and keep updating that test suit. You don't have to go and keep updating the pipeline. All you have to do is you go and say, hey, with this criteria is met, now it's a regression suit. And as soon as there is, that criteria is met, now it's part of the regression suit. Automatically. So today you would have run your automated result in your you know, email or Teams channel would yeah. say hey, 20 tests ran, 19 pass, one failed. Tomorrow it will say 25 ran, 25 pass. Right? Yeah. And uh, so there is, uh, you know, AI applications for AI throughout the life cycle. Mm-hmm. Right. And yes, as uh, you know, you got to uh, figure out. Yeah, very, very interesting. And I think you gave a lot of examples on where AI can be applied and how it is applied in your uh, platform. So thanks for uh, sharing that uh, info, Sriram. And similar to this, uh, Sriram, like uh, one of the other challenges that I've seen in organizations is like they have thousands of tests to run. For example, like I've seen customers who are having like 18,000, 25,000 tests that they're running on their applications. So how is that one can use a platform like cloud in order to speed up your test execution cycles? Yeah, see, the absolutely, right, that our, with automation comes the ability to execute more and more, more often. And that's one of the primary advantages of it, right, yep. is that you don't have to wait for, you know, end of the sprint to run your tests. Just run them as often as you would like, right? And uh, with, uh, uh, you know, the agile environment that uh, most organizations are in, changes are frequent. And, um, you know, with every build, every check-in, you may want to run your tests, right? Now, the where cloud is, you know, helpful here is it's, it's the same thing like, you know, how cloud is helping with development, right? Earlier, you would have, say, you know, a fixed on-prem, you have one environment, right? You have, you know, one or two, dev one server, dev two server, and if one developers deploy something here until that's tested, you can't deploy there, right? Now, you got to wait, you're in a queue before that is okay, and that moves on to your next environment before you can apply this, etc. Right now, with cloud, what happens is everyone can have their own kind of sandbox, you can spin it up, and you can, you know, build, you can deploy. Now, it that's where now with testing as well you can now with leveraging cloud executions you can spin up uh, agents on demand right you can go and say hey i have fifteen thousand tests i want to get these done in say you know two hours three hours or four hours all right and that means i need to run you know 10 tests in parallel you want to just spin up 10 you know agents right and you can go and say split them execute them right tomorrow you only want to run thousand just spin up you know five agents, right? And then day after tomorrow, you're running 30,000 tests, right? Organization-wide, you want to spin up more. It gives you that ability to scale up and down without you having to, you know, the put in the effort to manage that infrastructure, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that is a very, that, that's a point that kind of, you know, it's almost liberates your team, right? Now, well, a lot of the customers who we speak to uh, come in and say, oh, this is good because we are, you know, cloud native and uh, it's not node locked. It is not, you know, a concurrent license where oh, someone mm-hmm. else is taking the slot. I have to wait for it. Nothing to that effect, right? So they, they feel free. Anytime they want to build, they can build. Anytime they want to execute, they can execute because everything is available, 
right, at the point that you want to do. And, uh, you know, due to COVID, one of the, uh, I don't know if you should, should call it an upside or downside, pretty much everyone's working all hours of the day. Right. Yep. Uh, you, you, you check out and you know, you may log off at 3 p.m. and you come back and start resume your work at 8 p.m. and uh, you don't have to go. Oh, no, by the way, that is now taken by my some other team. You can go and, um, you know, deploy and uh, test on the fly as you wish. Yep. That's true. There are a lot of use cases uh, that we can think about from a cloud standpoint. And I think uh, customers have been very open in leveraging cloud as well after, since last two years after the outset of the uh, pandemic. And finally, uh, Sriram, I know that you have, you have a lot of capabilities within the ASOQ platform currently, but what are some of the new capabilities that your development team is actually uh, working on? Uh, when is that we can actually see those uh, in the platform? <laughs> so, all right. Uh, now, firstly, so one of the, see, our philosophy is, you know, we are a, a dual engine plane, right, to simplify it, right? So one is we are constantly always, you know, improving our existing engine, existing capability, right, that constantly gets improved. You uh, With every release, there is some of the other enhancement that's coming in, either um, with the usability of it or adding new functionalities on the edges of it, et cetera. And the other one is our innovation engine, right? So, uh, you know, I see uh, Mahindra gets very itchy if with every release there is something to address both sides. Right. It's never, okay, um, we're going to go innovation. This, that's it. We, we're done with whatever we can do on this capability. We're moving on. So we're always evolving on potence. Right now, the one of the latest, uh, we've done two major releases recently, right? And one I want to touch upon is our live marketplace offering, right? We, we've only recently released it to the market, right? And it's getting, you know, a, great traction already and that is something that we're going to evolve significantly over the next you know year or so right now the whole area of a marketplace where you could go off the shelf get you know your uh, pre-built and uh, what we call live components that are you know ready to automate your most of your use cases for example you have a salesforce live add-on that's available in our marketplace Right now, with that, you want to automate Salesforce, you use that and it's going to, you know, make it almost 10 times, 15 times as fast, right? Because a lot of the Salesforce behaviors come already pre-configured, right? All you have to do is you got to say, log into Salesforce and give the credentials of login, right? You can just go and say, hey, I want to go and create a lead, we'll go create a lead. So things like that, right? So that that is there. We have it for Salesforce. We now we have it for Oracle Live, MS Dynamics, right? Now we're going to keep, uh, you know, pushing the boundaries on that. We're going to bring in a lot more for support for all the, you know, popular common ERP apps. But on the back of that, we also want to start bringing in, right? We're already in competition or in conversation with a lot of, you know, our partners in bringing in some verticals focused, you know, add-ons too, right? It could be not just say Salesforce. It could be a Salesforce, Sales Cloud in a certain configuration, sales for say SaaS products, right? Let's say a certain configuration that is there, or you may be a product company who uh, is actually selling products, right? You can come and build your the suits to test your product on our marketplace. Now, what happens as a customer? You can go in and say, "I bought this product." Now, typically, my problem is that there is a, a larger acceptance cycle. It takes me a while to test that. It's a there is a longer kind of every release, you know, when I want to take it, it takes me longer to test. The feedback loop to the, the provider of the software, right? It also is longer, right? Now it's it's painful and potent. Now what we are doing is, you know, you as a software provider can actually put, uh, build how to test your application, which is not a you know theory or it's just not like a starter pack, right? Or not like an accelerator, which you still have to configure. This is going to work. You, you have it live and ready to go. 
right? Now, as a customer, I can go to Encino, buy Encino. I go to Axel Keys, Marketplace, get the Encino add-on. Now, I'm ready to test it, right? Now, okay. anytime there's a new release of Encino, Encino add-on gets updated too, right? So now, it, it is all going to work really smoothly together, right? You only focus on what is important and um, you can, uh, you know, not worry about the other nitty-gritty stuff, which is not really relevant to your business, okay. right? So that. That's a very interesting topic that you mentioned. So what you what you have in mind is basically a marketplace where your partners also can actually publish reusable assets, uh, which can be Absolutely. an automation pack for a specific module. So it's mostly like crowdsource, like uh, you actually get a wealth of test uh, scripts that are already there. You can actually go and buy them as well as publish them based on what is what is what that you that will definitely accelerate your uh, development time because people spend a lot of time developing scripts and if something is available off the shelf that will really help uh, organizations to improve the speed at which they're actually doing uh, test automation it's a very very interesting feature uh, as we uh, well thought of uh, absolutely right and uh, also see the you're spot on right you caught on to the two key points already right and yeah. uh, one of the key points is that see we are an expert in test automation right and based on our clientele we do have good experience let's say with the applications that our clients bring to us for example we have partnerships with salesforce you know oracle ms Autonomic, so we understand those products well we understand how the clients use them well but then there are, you know, the, the world's full of so many other applications, right? Yeah. And there are a lot of partners, right, who have experience in, you know, working on them, right? And yeah. they, we would never be able to get their subject matter expertise on those kind of applications that they operate, yeah. right? And then from their point of view, it is going to be hard for them to build something which is reusable across, you know, a large client, right? Any client to go and say, if you build something and say, you know, Selenium, and you go in and the client says, hey, you know, I can't, you know, install and run in, selenium right or you know you need changes change that etc right but now it's a it's on a platform it's an industry leading platform it's already ready yep. to use right and so it is win-win so that's one right so it allows everyone all these kind of you know consultancies you have, you have a lot of interest from you know boutique kind of consultants who specialize yep. in certain areas of you know certain verticals and certain product lines right and they've come they express great interest because they can immediately see the value of it right Yep. Now, the second aspect of that, like you touched upon, and I want to expand upon a little bit is not only is it going to reduce the development time, but it's also going to reduce the maintenance effort because yep. we call it live for a reason, because it's not just because we want to, you know, it's a fancy name. It is truly live in the sense, if there is a newer version of that application, new release comes in. So if I take Salesforce, for example, we guarantee that if we give you Hey, log into Salesforce as a, a utility ready to use, as a behavior ready to use. Now, if Salesforce starts, you know, uh, completely down their current login approach and yeah. they, they reinvent the screen, they add, you know, two checkboxes that say, I sign my life away, I accept terms and conditions, right? Now, with the next release, if that's what's coming, we would, behind the scenes, make sure that it works so you don't have to update it. You mm -hmm. are yeah. just going to, you know, you're going to say, hey, I'm on, Spring 2022, are you going to say, you know what, I'm on uh, you know, summer 2023? And you will automatically go and say, okay, login behaves this way, let me do it, right? Now, that is, um, you know, and this ties back to your first question is, ROI on test automation is very much focused on the creation and the execution, but it forgets yeah. maintenance, right? Now, um, th this also, you know, has a huge impact on that front. 
Yep. Thanks, Sridham. We have run short of time. Thank you so much for sharing your experience around test automation as well as explaining us some of the key capabilities of ASLQ. You touched upon a lot of topics starting from end-to-end testing, how AI can be applied, how is it can actually create reusable test cases, as well as you also touched upon how cloud can be used in order to reduce the test execution cycle time. So thank you once again for joining us today. Uh, have a wonderful day. No worries, Josh. Thanks for the opportunity. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. See ya. With this, we have come to the end of this episode of Automation Hangout. Hope you found the session interesting as well as useful. Please do subscribe to our channel to stay abreast with the ever-changing world of automation. Until we meet again, goodbye.